Alumni Audio Lab. You are listening to Alumni Audio Lab, a bi-monthly podcast from the OEAD. This is Austria's Agency for Education and Internationalization. I am Doris Obrecht and in this podcast I talk with alumni of OEAD who have all studied or done research in Austria. We talk about their life, their research, their background, sometimes also about current events and developments. This is episode 36 and my guest today is Tigran Kerian from Armenia. Tigran just finished his PhD at the University of Natural Resources and Life Sciences in Vienna, also called BOKU. In Armenia, he studied human and environmental geography with a focus on sustainable tourism development. In the last four years, he was involved also in the Caucasus Tea project. Caucasus Tea means transdisciplinarity for sustainable tourism development in the Caucasus region. He also wrote his PhD on this topic. This project has been a cooperation between Austrian, Georgian and Armenian universities. It was funded by EPIR, the Austrian Partnership Program in Higher Education and Research for Development. EPIR is a program of the Austrian Development Cooperation. Tigran, thank you very much for taking part in this talk today. Thank you very much for the invitation. It is my pleasure to take part in it. And it's my, my double pleasure that we meet in person because this is my first physical meeting and recording for an alumni audio lab for more than one and a half years. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to our talk. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward as well. <laughs> Tigran, in your research, you are focusing on three main fields, I would say. These are sustainability, development and transdisciplinarity. Let's start with sustainability. How has your interest in this topic, topic begun? Uh, thank you very much for the question. So sustainability, it's uh, currently very trendy and very wide, let's say, terminology, which covers a lot of fields, disciplines and issues. In general, I would say that sustainability is what's going in our life and the everyday our complex problems we face regarding to climate, social, cultural, economic and environmental also aspects. So how I came to the sustainability, I was born in Armenia in a small city, which is located in a territory of national park. And since childhood, I spent a lot of time in the nature. And it was the reason I chose my specialization in geography and then in sustainable tourism. So my life, my love actually towards nature influenced to also think about the problems uh, which face our environment. This is the nature protection, especially in Armenia. It was the illegal logging, animal protection, and also mushrooms and rare plants, also preservation. So that's why I just become interested in this topic and started develop my knowledge. As a final uh, to finalize, yeah, I think researchers should conduct research which is solving societal problems. And sustainability is a topic where you can do a research for society for real life problems. That's why I enjoy also addressing sustainability issues and trying to find solutions to them. 
As I said in the beginning, you, you have a bachelor's and master's degree in geography. Mm -hmm. Is sustainability an important issue in geography as a scientific discipline? Geography is a very complex, let's say, discipline. Yeah, Especially in Armenia at that time, I just learned also the concept of sustainable development. I got interested in sustainable tourism. At that time, it was ecotourism, a very like, famous and trendy term. Later, it became bigger. And I would say, just coming back to your question, yes, as geography is a very wide, broad discipline, including natural, social, cultural, economic aspects, and it has also a complex approach. So I would say yes. What motivated you to start your PhD studies in the field of sustainable tourism, especially, and transdisciplinarity? Thank you very much. This is a very interesting question. As I told you, in Armenia, besides learning at the university, I was also involved in different tourism projects, especially in in my home country, in the Diligent National Park, and also development projects. And being, let's say, like having two, even three roles as an academic, as a local, let's say, and also a practitioner, because I'm a person also just doing person. Yeah, I perceive I find a gap between academic knowledge, yeah, what we learn at the university and what we have in a real life. And sometimes the concept I've learned at the university, I could not implement it in real life because it was kind of out of the population. Yeah, it's very theoretical, let's say. And also for many years, I was teaching geography at the school because I believe the education can change many things, can make the world better. At that time, I realized that one of the main problems we have these issues is because of the education, how we are being, let's say, educated at the university, what we learn, how we conduct the research. The daily problems I was facing during my project implementation, the core of the problems I found in an university education. And then I decided to continue my PhD at the pedagogical university because I've graduated from Yerevan State University at a pedagogical university also to emphasize the aspect of education, which can solve many problems in real life. Let's talk about the project a little bit more, the Caucasus Tea Project. Different case study courses took place in Armenia and also in Georgia. How did you or the project team decide which areas to visit for these courses? Actually, how I become familiar with the project, as I told you, I was looking opportunities and the ways to address this issue. And then I become familiar with this project and the concept of transdisciplinarity. Perhaps I will a bit explain what is the concept. Transdisciplinarity is when you co-create knowledge, not only with different disciplines, but also you integrate practitioners, uh, local population stakeholders and Together, you co-create a knowledge in order to solve real-life problems. And then I found this concept, actually, it is the thing I was looking for. And uh, I was very glad to be involved in this project. And regarding the case study regions, both in Armenia and in Georgia, we choose two case study regions in each country. And our choice was mostly one developed area where the tourism was relatively well-developed, 
and the place which is not so well known, not so developed, and try to work in both cases later to also compare. The main reason to choosing these regions was that. Have you known the regions beforehand? Yeah, of course, Armenia is a small country, <laughs> the Georgia is also, uh, let's say, and one of the regions is a well tourism development region. It was my the place where I was born and I conduct my research, so I was familiar with that region. The other region, it was somehow out of scope of my research interest, but during the project it was very interesting to conduct research there. But uh, what was interesting, that pedagogical university, Armenian pedagogical university, had... In English, we can say summer camp or base camp there. Because during the Soviet Union, every university had a place, a student house, where the all students go during the summer and they do these field studies for two weeks. And Armenian State Pedagogical University was conducting their research for, like I guess, 40 years or more. The places in Georgia, I was familiar with one place, which was not so far from Borjomi, but the second place, Kazbegi, it was not so familiar at that time. Mm -hmm. But during the project, I was very glad to also stay mm -hmm. there for a long time and to conduct my research as well. And Borjomi is is famous for because it uh, the water Stalin liked is from there. Oh uh, yeah, Do I remember it is, right? It is, yeah, it is <laughs> mineral water, and also not only mineral water, but it's uh, also like ski resort. <laughs> I mean, not only Borjom, but Bakuriani in mm -hmm. that region. I mean, it is mm -hmm. very famous. It is actually Bakuriani, not Borjom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is also famous. Kiris and mm -hmm. so. But the village we were staying, it was not exactly the Bakuriani, but close in that administrative region, but it was not so well known for tourists. Mm -hmm. And what, what do tourists find there? Why have you chosen it? As a region which is interesting and important for tourists or tourism? For me, as a researcher and also, I guess, for our project, uh, one of the important aspects was to see how universities can contribute to societal problem solving and to the regional development, which is also one of the aims to implement this transdisciplinarity approach in our partner universities, both in Armenia and Georgia, also for capacity building and bringing universities close to society. Coming back to your question, for me it was interesting to conduct research to see how uh, students from different disciplines and also teachers also from different disciplines can work together with local population. What should be the attitude of local population? Uh, will they find our contribution important for them? Will they find a kind of solution to their local problems? Or perhaps they have very interesting practical knowledge which was not considered during academic research and also my role was also conduct uh, interviews individual interviews group interviews semi-structured and to make a qualitative analysis of these interviews and I interviewed academic people students university leadership lecturers from different disciplines I interviewed local populations Uh, I observed this process of field studies also, and it was very valuable for results of my 
research. So the approach was not focusing on tourism and how to make it for tourists more attractive, but to focus on the societal problems. And one conclusion was that tourism could be a possibility or I get it right. Tourism is a broad topic mm -hmm. and talking about sustainable tourism, it also depends on different aspects. For example, if you have problem of, uh, let's say, hotels or you have a problem of drinking water, which we had in Georgia, you face challenges to develop sustainable tourism. So the broad topic was the tourism, mm -hmm. but our students divided into different groups based on their research interest, inter like disciplinary background, also supervised by one or two teachers. And they worked in different topics. And the main approach, what was also our, let's say, innovation in this region, when I was a student, I had also this field studies as a geography mm -hmm. student. But our research questions were predefined by professors and we had no interaction with local population. And the professors were telling us, What is right, what is wrong? Here can be developed this, here can be developed mm -hmm. that. Yeah, And what we did, we conducted seminars, preliminary seminars at the university. We explained, uh, also presented teachers and students how can societal problems be converted into research questions. Mm -hmm. And based on the interest of the local population, we worked on these topics with cooperation of locals. And my experience here in Austria, also learning transdisciplinarity, also I took part, for example, in transdisciplinarity, winter school in the Switzerland. This experience was very, very helpful Then I could implement it in our region. Also knowing not only the local language, but also local mentality, mm -hmm. cultural aspects, it was easy to implement and integrate. What does these stakeholders in the rural areas in Armenia or also in Georgia expect from the researchers and universities? Did they have some imagination about what you can do for them? And have you fulfilled these expectations? Uh, thank you very much for the <laughs> question. Yeah, sometimes as academics, we believe that we are doing very useful thing for society, for population. But I always ask, and what about, do we ask them? For example, many people or also my professors at the university in Armenia were writing different or publishing articles about tourism development in a diligent national park. And I always asking, how many of your articles contributed to tourism development? Yeah. So for me, first of all, it was important to know the opinion of local population, how they perceive academic people and how can we contribute to their problems. The second aspect is how to integrate their knowledge because local population for generations, they are living in that places. They have their own culture. They have very good observations, this practical knowledge which should be used in science, in scientific approach. And regarding the expectations and the finding usefulness, I would say there are different opinions based on my interviews and feedbacks. Some local populations find very useful. What I also noticed in Armenia, that in that region where this pedagogical university had this field studies for more than 40 years and they told us that before it was no interaction the students are coming doing their research and going and now they ask us they consider our opinion they have also some innovative ideas 
But on the other hand, they need some theoretical ideas to develop their tourism concept. For example, in these villages, they need a kind of knowledge of advertisement platforms to advertise their bed and breakfast, innovative ideas to attract tourists. In this regard, academic knowledge and also students can help. But some people find that this is useful only for students and teachers, but they're also glad to contribute in that. And that some people just have no time. But in general, I would say yes, most of the comments are very positive, very useful. And mostly the problem I face, we face also in Caucasus region, perhaps this is also kind of, I don't know, is it unique for only this region or perhaps in different developing or less developed areas? It is also common that on these regions, many NGOs and international organizations conducted different projects. And as you know, the requirement of international project is also kind of rising awareness, participatory approach. And just for for the project report, etc., they also integrate local populations. And sometimes they give very big promises in order to attract. And there are a lot of projects being implemented. And sometimes they give also funding money. So the first thing that people are expecting money sometimes, and at the beginning you have to explain that you are not a company just giving money. We are just trying to see how can we contribute with our skills, knowledge. Of course, if there is opportunity, we can support to apply for a grant, which also happened in Armenia. Our project helped to find a stakeholder, which got funded from another project, which was very useful for them and also our project helped. But this is also to deal with these expectations. The another thing, as I mentioned at the beginning, is to working in a well-developed areas and less developed areas. The feedbacks and the results of my analysis show that in less developed areas, students are working with big enthusiasm and also local population have more time. They need an interaction and they are really glad to work and to share. In well-developed areas, or local stakeholders have like very rich experience and they have less time in order to just cooperate work if they don't see kind of benefit, even if it is not so material, material benefit. But in other case, when they are like have a very big practical experience and the students are just coming and asking only theoretical things and presenting ideas, which is sometimes not so close to real life, it is also somehow challenging for students as well. In your articles, you're not only writing about Armenia as a such, but you're also using the term post-Soviet academ systems, mm -hmm. academic systems. How did the former Soviet academic system look like and how has it influenced the university systems nowadays or mm -hmm. the academia? Sometimes when people see like Soviet or hear Soviet, many people are associating it with a like... I don't want to say bad, but like kind of not positive thing. But I would say that post-Soviet academic system, it was kind of unique and had also both opportunities and challenges. One of the opportunities in that regard, we can say that everything was free, all education was free. And also all graduates had insured working places after graduation in the soviet system in the soviet yep. system yeah you finished this polytechnic university you know that you will work there 
there is no chance to not work because it was a crime to not working during the Soviet time. And also there was many, like a lot of funds for research, etc. The bad thing that everything was controlled and it was very high, I mean, control in case of politics and so it was very, very few place for participatory approach and for also innovation because creativeness and innovations were not that courage. And everything was like appointed, like top-down approach. And now still these countries are suffering from that approach because no one wants to, I mean the university leadership, no one wants to take the responsibility to make an innovation. They are just waiting, okay, he will do that. And this was the problem that universities mostly don't want to initiate this cooperation with local population because during the Soviet time it was appointed by the top. Yeah, you have to cooperate with this, this, and also there are some fundings. Uh, then another thing that during the post-Soviet time, the research was took out from universities. And universities were considered as educational institutions, also this propaganda, etc. And the research was under the control of Academy of Sciences, which was directly reporting to Moscow Academy of Sciences. And this still very, very challenging for universities because when there is no research or lack of research, you cannot have a real contribution to real-life problems. And this also makes a big gap. And by integrating transdisciplinary approaches, we try to also address this gap to also increase the research capacities of universities. Was this similar in all or most of the Soviet states? Not the Soviet... Uh, Of the uh, Soviet Union? During the Soviet Union, almost it was the same in all countries. But why also I'm using this term? Because I find also just looking... Of course, I haven't conducted research, let's say, in Russia or in Kazakhstan, but looking at other researches and also like peer-reviewed published papers, also great literature, also talking to some experts. I find out that all these countries almost are facing the same challenges. And coming back to your question, I would take out the Baltic countries because mm. now the academic system, especially in Estonia, is a bit different. But most of the post-Soviet countries like Caucasus countries, Russia, Central European countries, Ukraine, it's almost there facing the same problem. And the biggest challenge was after the Soviet Union because mm -hmm. the Soviet Union was collapsed and Armenia and Also, Georgia took this clear direction towards European education system. And there were like many, many grants from different organizations. And the government tried to, as soon as possible, make innovations so-called towards European education system. And all these documents were adapted without almost or like less considering local cultural aspects. And okay, you implement, but... If the people who are going to implement these standards are not appreciating it as a value, as an important thing, then you have problems. And my interview with also many professors, especially from, let's say, from the generation who also worked during the Soviet Union time, I find that, okay, they are just working with this system, yeah, what we have currently. But they are still not perceiving or perceiving it wrong. For example... As a European standards, they are perceiving not actually what in reality are European approach. Yeah, I, I guess you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
And so it is still so very challenging. And uh, one of my results that transdisciplinarity and all these innovations should be, these approaches and projects should involve also younger generation because they are more open, more enthusiastic towards innovations. But on the other case, it should also have the support from the university leadership. And when you don't have a support, okay, the program finished and what then? It should be a person who will appreciate it and then also provide follow-up. Is Armenia part of the European higher education area mm -hmm. yeah. and has also adopted the Bolognian master's system? It adopted Bologna's these uh, three levels because mm -hmm. before it was five years this diploma study and then it was mostly this, I guess, you know, called aspirantur, mm -hmm. uh, which is... Uh, equal for PhD, but it, still it is called, not PhD, but candidate of sciences. And then if you would like to develop it further, then you get doctoral degree. Yeah. But after this Polonia, it was this three level, like bachelor's for four years, master's for two years, and then PhD for three bachelor years. Bachelor for four years? Yeah. Because here we have bachelor for three years. Yeah, there is bachelor for four years mm -hmm. and then master's for two years and a PhD for three years. Mm -hmm. is, is But it, it is still, uh, uh, there is a current discussion in Armenia because mm -hmm. there is a law still in the process. But it is still, you have this PhD, but it is considered as candidate of sciences and then there is a doctoral, which is the high. Okay. But uh, this new law would like to just go in line with the European standards. Do you, in your personal opinion, see it as an opportunity or an obstacle to supplementing of the new system? Uh, I see it uh, opportunity, of course, but as I mentioned, it should be by professors perceived as mm. a value and the role of masters. Here, I see that people are very proud of the title as their magister master. But in Armenia and in Georgia, you can see that many people think when they finish bachelor degree. They called, it is literally translating, not full higher education because mm -hmm. they perceive that it is not full. In order to get a full degree, you have to get master degree. And the main problem I see, physically it is divided, that I had also feeling during my study. Mm -hmm. Physically it is divided. I had bachelor's and master's. But actually it was no, almost no difference I mean, in case of research, what we studied in bachelor, yeah, a bit further, we studied in a master's degree. Because still the professors, not all, but the most of them, are not perceiving the value of master as a new level to go further, I mean, for PhD. And just people just continuing, okay, bachelor's, then master's. Are the university degrees and courses meeting the needs of the labor market in Armenia or Does it need more skilled workers? Are there too many graduates or not enough? <laughs> This is a very nice question. Thank you very much. Before starting my interviews, I did also literature review. And uh, most of the published papers and research are mentioning that it is not matching the market demands. And one of the main problems that in our countries, also it is coming from the post-Soviet time, that... It is kind of cultural thing that all people should be kind of educated going to university. If you would like to get a job, you have to finish the university. If you would like to have a societal, let's say, level, you have to 
finish the university and sometimes also parents are deciding for kids to go to university without considering their skills are they really would like to study that or not and then we have the problem that when we have let's say for example yearly 200 workplaces for economists but we have 500 or 1000 economists graduated mm. and many people are could not find a job and they start to also just yeah saying that it is very hard that it is not considered but the universities are not considering the market market i mean demand and what i also got during my interviews and also reading this research that practitioners are not so happy with the skills and knowledge university or students gain during their study at university because they finish and then they want to work and they see this big gap. In general, I would say there are many, many challenges in order to meet market demands. Speaking of challenges, is it easier, in your opinion, to conduct transdisciplinarity in research or in teaching? Or is it similar? You mean in general or in Armenia or in Georgia? In an Armenia and Georgia. Uh, talking about researchers, uh, when I <laughs> moved to Austria, I had also a challenge because I was talking to my professor about research and about research mostly with the same thing, but with different languages. Because also the culture of writing articles, you can see the periodicals also published. I mean, in these countries, in many also universities, it is uh, different from the European or the Western, let's say, research culture. Because the methodology part, the especially discussing research results. Yeah? It is a different culture. So for me, it was also challenging. Now I, <laughs> now when I'm talking to my colleagues, I can feel that we are talking about the same things, but with a different languages. And now I can better understand my professors <laughs> here <laughs> at the Boko. But yeah, I'm really thankful, all of them, and my supervisor, Andreas Muha, and my also our project coordinator, Tamara Mitrofanenko, who really helped me to overcome these challenges. Also, many of my professors at Boku, I took the many courses about scientific writing, conducting research, and also thanks to uh, Dee and Appear, because I supported a lot to take part in conferences also to, uh, I mean, not only in Austria, but in Switzerland, where there is a very good transdisciplinarity school. And I learned what actually it is. Yeah, even it is still there yeah <laughs> i mean it's a still open question yeah but i mean i i learned how to conduct a research how to conduct a teaching so regarding teaching as i told you i used to work as a teacher and i worked in a private school which is an innovative school in termenia and thanks to my colleagues and also trainings i've provided i had no challenges almost with teaching with courses so mm -hmm. and now going back to our context in our context, both are challenging because the approaches I learned in the private school, it is still not so common at the university because at the university, this traditional called lectures, yeah, is like where students are passive receivers and the professors sometimes even just talking as students have to write mm -hmm. what we actually did during my studies. But it is also changing. I mean, there are also many projects and like our projects were supporting and it is also changing and 
there are also some professors who are bringing innovations. Yeah. But it, it is challenging for some professors to conduct this case study teaching, also to facilitating the teaching process. I had this feeling also during our field studies when teachers are not facilitating the groups, but just telling what is wrong, what is right. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is also sometimes hard for some professors to consider the opinion of a student. And regarding research, it is more challenging because first of all, there are different research culture. There are overload of teaching hours for teachers. The salaries are very low, very low. And uh, sometimes teachers... Like it is from 300 to 500 in Armenian Georgia for full-time mm. teaching professor. And full-time it is about like, yeah, it's many hours. And they sometimes have to take additional like jobs. So there are not so much time, I mean, to dedicate to research. And also universities, yeah, also sometimes lack of funds and also knowledge. But also our project and such kind of projects can contribute that within this scope, within this time frame, still can be these research elements be integrated in a university teaching process. At least uh, students there, after our project, many students decided to connect their bachelor works and master works with the case study regions, mm -hmm. which is I also find good. Speaking of funding, in Austria's funding landscape, it's rather as far as I know, difficult to submit even interdisciplinary proposals. I don't know how is it is how it is with transdisciplinary ones. The programs are rather highly restricted to the disciplines. So if you don't fit in one discipline, it's difficult to which button to click at the proposal system. What is your opinion on that? Or do you have other experiences? Is it easy with transdisciplinary and interdisciplinary project to, to get funding? And how is it in Armenia? Well, thank you very much for the question. For me, before answering your question regarding funding, I would prefer to start talking about the general approach mm -hmm. and the approach of cooperation because mm -hmm. both interdisciplinarity and transdisciplinarity requires cooperation. And in Caucasus, in a half-joking manner, we say that we are very good in individual sport, such as this fighting, powerlifting, <laughs> chess, yeah? But we are very bad in team sports, <laughs> such as, for example, football, yeah? And in my opinion, we have the same problem in academia. Perhaps it is also coming from post-Soviet context, because trying to address societal problems we need to cooperate together. We need to integrate different different disciplines. And I had this feeling that it is very hard for our professors to cooperate and to integrate. Of course, it is good that everyone appreciates its own discipline as an important and the most important. I have educated in this way that the geography is the most important uh, like scientific discipline in the world and everyone should consider that. And uh, for example, instead of cooperation, we had fine fights and it still continues with other like universities that no economists should not consider tourism because geographers, as it is integrative discipline, should consider. And then environmentalists say, no, you're just looking at the economical aspects, but you're not considering the environment. So we should start 
thinking about nature and economists say, okay, you are just talking about nature, but where are your like facts and numbers? And some in this regard, economists always win because they can show everything with money. So in my opinion, we should, instead of fighting, start cooperating, mm-hmm. integrating. And in our case, I find it also very challenging because even though our partner departments are interdisciplinary in nature, for example, in Armenian State Pedagogical University, it is called Department of Biology, Chemistry and Geography. But there is almost no interaction mm-hmm. between this. I mean, first of all, we need also facilitators and educational managers to trigger this process, to facilitate interdisciplinary cooperation, where there is no disciplinary prioritization, but rather working together, just problem-oriented and solution-oriented approach, I would say. Yeah? And talking about transdisciplinarity, it is even more challenging because sometimes professors consider us as experts and they even don't want to consider the local opinion. And regarding funding, uh, I've looked at the educational laws, universities' development agendas, also grant proposals, I mean national. You can see that everywhere mentioned interdisciplinarity, they encourage. But in reality, when I interview the people are conducting, they say that it is called, but they can work people from different disciplines. But it is actually not interdisciplinarity, even though it is called. It is mostly multidisciplinarity, where the academic disciplines working next to each other, but there is no almost cooperation. And sometimes the funds are very like short term and they're lacking also money to integrate different aspects. And so these research groups are preferred to focus on one aspect and provide successful report, which is required, rather than trying to address complex challenges where results can be also not so clear. And trying to finalize uh, what I'm saying regarding transdisciplinarity. Mostly scientific literature and many academic research mentioned that in order to implement transdisciplinarity, it should be first establish very well interdisciplinary cooperation, then start integrating uh, practitioners and local population. But our Caucasus T experience shows that this external intervention actually triggered interdisciplinary cooperation. And when I interviewed, and I'm still in touch with many of our professors, I saw that while working together within the scope of our project, they found really interesting this cooperation. And for example, the geographers and historians, they find out that they're doing research about the same topic, but they don't interact and then they started together. Also in Armenia, they produced teaching material together. Some uh, professors from Georgia mentioned that they started visiting PhD and master defenses of students from another department. They learn a lot of new things, which can be also implemented in their discipline. And so I would say regarding also funding, the challenges I've mentioned, but there are also some opportunities which can be addressing the current challenges. Tourism was a big topic last year during COVID-19. How has it influenced your project? Yeah, tourism influenced and not only tourism, but also teaching because they planned some case studies, also the extra or the third level. We also planned case studies. 
It was very challenging to implement in Armenia because of the hard lockdown. It was impossible. In Georgia, the initial process was conducted offline and then it conducted online. And there were almost no tourists. So this was very, very challenging. But uh, there were some also opportunities because I also interviewed and our stakeholders during this period. For example, one stakeholder in Armenia had free time because there were no tourists. He started following and talking to most of our teachers, lecturers, and he found this new kind of tourism videos, which teachers made as part of the online teaching. And he found also innovative ideas and he started implementing that. Another case that pedagogical university has also kind of pedagogical practices, uh, which was mostly done in capital city. But during this COVID time, uh, most of the schools had online teaching and even in rural schools, teachers and students learn how to work with these devices and trying to find. And it was also opportunity for some students to conduct online, I mean, classes mm -hmm. for our case study regions. Yeah, this was the thing. But then other thing, it was also very challenging. And not only that, but also the war, I mean, happened in Caucasus, which still is also like academia is also suffering for that because no one had like psychologically, I mean, not feeling well to start working on a research project. And so, I mean, these challenges, of course, influence also in the science. But in another case, I believe that science especially transdisciplinarity, can also address these challenges to bring together, to open a platform for common discussion. I mean, not on a national, but in a regional level, in an international level, to open a discussion, to integrate different, not only academics, but also practitioners, policymakers, decision makers, and also to find a solution to overcome these issues, which can be, I mean, good precondition for development. Let's talk a little bit about your stay in Austria. You stayed here for... The, have you been here for the full four years? Uh, it's three and a half years. Yeah. Uh, since uh, 2017 from no October, November. Mm -hmm. How have you managed your stay? How was your experience in Austria, especially in the beginning? At the beginning... Especially before coming to Austria, I participated in a competition and I was lucky to also being granted uh, this scholarship. But it was also challenging because I had my job. It was for me just not so easy to quit all things and just to move to live as a you, student. You were still a teacher back then? or you? I was not only a teacher, but also assistant to the yeah. director. I was involved in several projects mm -hmm. and at that time I had also new suggestions. I mean, with a good salary, etc. But for me, it was important, my academic career. And when we are talking just openly, I had also challenges because, you know, this kind of corruption and personal relationship in Armenian academic system still plays a very big role. And sometimes to also get your PhD place and also they're also like people who are in a power relationship. And for me, I mean, the final decision was based on the several criterias. But the most factor that motivated me is to further develop in academic field and to develop my research skills, my teaching skills. And I'm really, really, really happy that I made this important decision for me 
because now when I'm looking back, I learned a lot, not only from the research aspect, but as a personal aspect. The skills, the, I don't know, the worldviews and the cultural aspects which I developed here, I'm really, really glad that I did this right decision and thanks to uh, D and the peer project and peer colleagues also, I was able to achieve to this level also to have my PhD here, my doctoral degree, receive my doctoral degree. And uh, at the beginning, as I mentioned, it was a bit challenging because, yeah, the foreign culture, even though before I had, yeah, I've been to Austria before that, but as a tourist, I've, I took part in different international trainings. But it's one thing to be a tourist, another thing is to live. And starting with this documentation process and other like challenges you have to overcome. But I mean, I, I couldn't say it was so very challenging. I, and I'm a person who is, I'm a enthusiastic, motivated, also like communicate with people and I'm working hard. So I guess I easily just integrated. And then the beginning my main point was to visit as many as possible cultural events, such as museums, concerts. Also, I'm a passionate hiker. I'm hiking a lot and mountaineer. And so you're saying, lucky in Austria. Yeah, I was lucky that my supervisor <laughs> is also, yeah, he likes also mountains. And we had also together like some hikes, snowshoeing. And I start discovering all these mountains, all these aspects, and I fall in love. And the, actually the climate and the, I mean, forests and the mushrooms, herbs in Vienna, it is the same like in my home country. It, it is almost the same. And I'm also, yeah, as a hobby, collecting these herbal tea, uh, plants, collecting teas. I'm not collecting here, I mean, in Armenia, but I'm, I mean, I'm familiar with these old mm -hmm. plants. And it was the same. So in generally, I enjoyed my staying. I enjoyed my staying and my study here. And I learned also language, German, because <laughs> I really like it. How do you as a sustainability researcher live sustainability in daily life? <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask this uh, question. Yeah. It, it, it is hard to say. Because, you know, uh, there are some people say that, yeah, if you are a researcher like in sustainability, you have to be like vegetarian or vegan. You always need to wear like recycled materials. And so I have a bit a different opinion because sometimes also when we are looking at the, I'm perhaps also talking about like policy level, the people who are mostly making propaganda that you have to live sustainable. Actually, I'm living more sustainable than many of people. For example, the politicians Okay, I'm not traveling so much. I'm not always just going to restaurant. I'm trying to cook at home. Yeah, I'm using my clothes many times. I mean, just washing sustainably. And so I'm not, yeah, traveling a lot, as I mentioned. I'm not smoker. I'm living environmental friendly, trying to consume as less as possible volunteering a lot, making positive impact on nature. And I'm almost not doing the things which can, I mean, damage mm -hmm. environment. So, I mean, in my, let's say, frame, scope of this, I'm trying to do my best 
to live sustainable. Speaking of politics and politicians, I have one question on this topic. Because sustainability has a lot to do with not taking more from Mother Earth than she can take. Tomorrow, 28th of July, 21, is the Earth Overshoot Day for mm -hmm. this year, which means that we have used up our Earth's capacities of biological resources for 2021. On the other hand, there is a current discussion, I don't know if you followed it, going on in Austria at the polit political level. Our chancellor stated that this is, it is possible to overcome the climate crisis without the population having to make any sacrifices. For example, we do not need to give up cars or have to even lower individual mobility in any way. He relies on innovation and technology. What is your opinion on that as a researcher? It, I mean, uh, just to mention a concrete fact for me, it's a bit difficult to say because there are different research there are research which say that like for example there are some countries that say that this is normal i mean the climate changes it happened for many like hundreds of years this is normal cycle there are researchers who say that no this is like influence of population and exploitation of natural resources and as we see the Climate is also changing also. It's the extreme heat and extreme wet also seasons and precipitations. In my opinion, there are both factors, both, I mean, natural, but also, of course, people with all these emissions and natural resources exploitation and so on. It is influencing on climate. So your question generally was, what is my opinion on... What is your opinion on... The Chancellor's statement that we do not have to change anything in our Western lifestyle. Uh, I guess we have to change. We have to live as sustainable as possible. But it should be not, how to say, like kind of show off thing, just to like, see, I'm doing this sustainable and you're not doing sustainable, but rather to perceive it as a normal way of being. Like, for example, a very simple thing, which is, for example, not so common in our case, other regions, yeah? Not using plastic bags. Yeah, here I'm not using plastic bags at all, yeah? But it, in many supermarkets, there you always get this. And, I mean, but still it is going to change. So what I want to say, people should keen to do that, but without just making it as a sure thing mm -hmm. but to do it as much as possible and another thing perhaps it is a personal thing after this war many things changed in my mindset because you know during this war like this 44 days and it is still continues up today and today also at the night it happened also mm -hmm. conflict and young soldiers conflict died. in back karabakh yes and yeah. just yesterday mm -hmm. also the azerbaijani forces attacked and three soldiers being killed and so i mean th this is also kind of challenging and i saw that billion of tons or the hundred thousand of tons this exploding this materials is being exploded and the people are being killed and this with phosphor these bombs the forests are being burned And you see that almost there is no reaction from kind of international, let's say, organizations without such things. But on the other case, you see that, for example, I don't want to mention that the names of organizations, but you have to say uh, this organization advertising that, I don't know, someone saved this animal. It is very, very nice. Think it should be okay. 
I also think so. But you see that there are many, many kids are being killed. And there are thousands of tons of these cases and no one takes care. Okay, it's a conflict. It is normal. It should happen. The bomb should be. And the injured people, I've seen that so many like youngsters, I mean, they're heavily injured. And for me, first of all, the humanity should think not only like, uh, is it sustainable? I mean, just starting the putting attention from the important to less important. Okay, it is a conflict. I could yeah, understand. But if here we decrease emissions, but there, there are thousands of tons of this gases exploitation and mm -hmm. bombs and phosphors, it is the earth. And the earth is a uh, one whole body, one whole system. And I like, as a transdisciplinary researcher, I like systematic approach. So we have to also put efforts to that direction. And I'm talking about like whole nations, not, I mean, in the concrete and in other parts of the world. So coming back to questions, I would say that we should, of course, start. But the, first of all, we should care about human life as well and then start also propaganda, sustainable living. It's a very complex problem. I think my last question is easier. <laughs> As I said in the beginning, you have just accomplished your PhD. What are your plans for the future? Uh, my <laughs> plans, first of all, I've decided to continue with academic. Because during PhD, I learned a lot. Also, my strong and parts and my also the parts which should be improved. And I also would like to improve my research skills and also academic teaching skills. And now I'm currently and actively looking for opportunities to be involved in research projects, to postdoctoral programs that I'm currently actively looking for. And uh, But I'm already also applied for different projects and I recently also wrote a project for Armenia, I mean, regarding this climate change risks impact but it is still we applied this project in case of success I will also try to work with that project so I'm doing my best to work on that but besides that I'm still taking part in conferences I'm just recently submitted a book chapter which will be also published yeah I'm trying to be also actively integrated with academic community especially in the field of transdisciplinarity and sustainability Tigran, thank you very much for being here today and good luck for the future and for your plans and for your academic career. This was Tigran Kerian, geographer, transdisciplinarity and sustainability researcher from Armenia. Thank you for listening to Alumni Audio Lab, the podcast of the OEAD. All former episodes can be found at our website at oead.at slash alumni minus audio lab. And thank you very much for the invitation. It was really a pleasure for me to talk to you and also to present. And I hope I could answer your questions. And I also wish you all the best and to you, to AD and to appear. And I would like to emphasize that as a closing remark, yeah, that many things in our countries, I mean, in Armenia and Georgia, and it can be developed, but there is a need of knowledge and experience and capacity building and such kind of projects especially our project which is 
relatively long term and you can achieve results during this long term. It has a real contribution. And I believe that after a couple of projects, we will have results which we can already see and feel the contribution. So thank you very much. All the best to you. Alumni Audio Lab.